With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck. And I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi, who is at Charlotte Motor Speedway and was just a firsthand witness to the Roval Madness. Jordan, I thought you were going to be in the middle of a yet another Harvick Elliott dispute, but that didn't exactly uh, turn out the way um, we expected it to. Uh, but either way, quite the uh, quite the dramatic race to discuss. How are you doing today? Great. I thought that was one of the most entertaining races of the year. If I, I don't want to say it was the, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and say it was the best race of the year, but for drama and storylines, that was pretty darn good. And the Roval again delivers as a playoff cutoff race. That was uh that was good stuff today. Yeah. Well, I take a deep breath there because I think it's, Oh, I think it's two, two kind of different things. I, I would rather talk about that later in the episode, as far as like the line of entertainment versus, uh, racing i guess and and the playoffs and competition but uh, obviously there's no doubt that it was uh, a lot to talk about in terms of entertainment value and drama and of course the lead of that um, in addition to to who's going to make the cutoff we got to start chase elliott kevin harvick uh harvick although he had sort of been downplaying it in these pre-race bullpens that we had had in round two um downplaying it though like, I mean, it was, it seemed like it was, I, I remember like one bullpen session. He was, he kind of suggested, I think feel like strongly hinted, like this wasn't, he didn't forget about this. Well, that was the one I believe at Las Vegas when he said it was like talking to his nine-year-old or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then he had said, you know, I just hope that NASCAR officiates it the same when it's on the other foot or whatever. Right. Isn't that what he said basically? Right. Yeah. That was basically what he said. Yeah. So, okay. So you think, all right, he's going to. He's going to try to do something at some point, but, and this is where, you know, we can really debate the merits of it. And I saw people on Twitter really had some passionate, strong views about this. Either way, people vehemently disagreed with my tweet about this. People, uh, also strongly agreed with it. So, um, I'll give you my take first. I'd love to hear what you think of it. So to me, what Harvick did to, to try to wreck somebody out of the playoffs there in an elimination race is far different and far beyond what Chase Elliott did at Bristol. To reset from my viewpoint, and probably Chase Elliott's viewpoint, I'm, I'm guessing, um, Chase Elliott got his tire cut by Harvick uh, when Harvick came up the track at Bristol. You can debate who was at fault there, but Chase Elliott fault, thought that Kevin Harvick was uh, at fault, cut his tire down, he's three laps down, and then he gets in front of Harvick on fresher tires and he basically goes half throttle, and it ultimately bogs Harvick up enough that Kyle Larson 
Elliott's teammate wins a race. Now, a lot of people felt that was manipulation of a race on the same level as like a Kenseth type incident. I did not feel that way. I felt like he was justifying like, okay, you cost me from winning the race. Now I'm going to cost you from winning the race. But since then, I mean, a lot of people have been upset about it. Um, and, and still felt like, okay, Elliot had one coming. Obviously Harvick has been planning this all along, um, or, or to, plotting his revenge, I guess. And so he takes revenge, uh, in this manner today, but I did not agree with that. I think that goes far beyond again, what, what Elliot did, um, and, and sort of crossed the line there. And I think, uh, Elliot would have been completely justified to then take Harvick out, um, returning the favor in the same race today. Jordan, Jordan, how do you see this? I did not have a problem with what Kevin Harvick did today. I also would not have had a problem if Chase Elliott would have paid him back in the circumstances as they were unfolding. If Elliott was on the lead lap, they're racing for position, and it's kind of a boys have at it mantra that we have heard before. I, I like full contact physical racing. I think there is a line between that and dirty. I don't think what Harvick did today was dirty i thought it was hard racing and somebody who is holding a grudge we've seen it many times before in nascar uh, in, in some form and i thought this was it was up against that line but i don't think it crossed over and i didn't have a problem with it and i sure as heck wouldn't have had a problem with it if chase would have paid him back as long as they're racing for position and it's not a kenseth situation where he's multiple multiple laps down and only comes back on the racetrack to intentionally take out harvick that that's a different animal i was okay with this today i I had no problem with it i think this is what at the essence this is what nascar is to some degree here's the thing i i just feel like um elliot never made contact with harvick right he never harvick finished second in that race and all elliot did was slow try to slow him down enough right to say okay i'm not gonna let you win um it's it does not rise to the level of kenseth taking out joey logano which i thought was disgusting at the time was upset that that happened. I thought that was terrible. And I thought that Kenseth should have been suspended. And he was, uh, I know a lot of people love that moment. Obviously, I mean, Martinsville fans went crazy back then, but, um, they, I mean, they, they were cheering like wildly. Um, I don't think that rises to this level. Um, I don't think just because you quote, change the outcome of a race like that, it, it's not all the same. And it's not the same as like the itching arm thing with Clint Boyer, uh, that changed the no. outcome at, at Richmond. It's it's not at that level at all. So you can say, well, Chase Elliott had one coming, whatever. And maybe, like you said, okay, Harvick could get him one back. And I and I think that Harvick would have been justified to race him hard or whatever, but to just go out and wreck him, to gas it up as they played on the broadcast, uh, hit the throttle, take him out there. Uh, I mean, that's going... Now, again, like, okay, maybe it doesn't go beyond the, uh, beyond the line of ethical racing, but it goes beyond the, I think it's an overreaction to the payback moment. Again, a lot of people, a lot of you disagreed. And in fact, so many people disagreed so passionately, Jordan, that, uh, I used to be accused of being a chase Elliott hater. And like, people would be like, Oh, you're just biased against chase. You can never say anything nice about chase, blah, blah, blah. blah. Now people, some guy tweeted a meme of me, like my little cartoon (laughs) face thing with a nine on the forehead. And people were saying, People were saying, oh, you know, you're golden boy chase, blah, blah, blah. Just because, you know, I, they don't like the side of the issue that I'm on. I'm trying to be fair. I just think that Harvick went a step too far there. And, uh, you know, I, I think he overreacted from, uh, but like, he, okay. I mean, if you're ready to move on, is it over? 
is it over? It should be over because they're they both had one episode. I mean, you go back to Bristol, Chase paid back Harvick, and then today Harvick paid back Chase. I don't know why this would continue going forward. The only way I could see this continuing forward is if Harvick, for whatever reason, decides that he owes Chase again a second time. And then at that point, even before that point, you're probably going to have to step in if you're NASCAR and say, wait a second here. I don't think – I think this should be done over. This, this cannot continue. Each guy has got one on their scorecard. Anything after this, you're starting to, to really cross that line, especially with the fact that it could impact – it very well is going to impact the championship. I mean, if, theoretically, if that payback would likely come at Martinsville, if Chase isn't already locked in, he's going to need to run well there. That, to me, is – it's not in the Matt Kenseth territory, but it's entering that stadium, if you know what I mean. And I think that is, I wouldn't be surprised if NASCAR has a sit down with these guys sometime very soon and just says it is done and over with. You guys have both got one. We are done. We're moving forward. I don't, I don't think they need to do that. Cause I think that, I think it is done. Like you said, there's really no reason, but let's run through a couple scenarios. Okay. Let's say that Harvick was successful in wrecking Chase out today enough, like that Chase was not, his team was not able to make the repairs. He finished below the cut line. Harvick did not wreck himself out of the playoffs, finished the race. Now you go on to Texas, um, Kansas Martinsville next round. Let's say Elliott's out of the playoffs, Harvick's in. Now it becomes dicey because it's like, okay, now is Harvick, is Chase, who's not in the playoffs, going to get revenge on Harvick like a Martinsville or something to prevent him from going to the championship round. And that would have been bordering on Kenseth ish territory. I'm not sure I would have been okay with that because one guy is still in one's not. Um, let's say they had another scenario. Let's say they had both advanced. Okay. So then they both advanced. Now Elliot feels like, well, Harvick is still alive in the playoffs. He almost took me out. Maybe I, maybe I can pay him back, uh, have another one. Maybe he has another one coming. Um, but I think that Harvick taking himself out with Chase behind him, and I'm not, you know, Tab Boyd, uh, Byron Spotter said, kind of cited that on the radio. It was like he, Harvick looked in his rearview mirror basically and was trying to avoid that. I, I don't, I'm not convinced that was the reason. Oh, really? I am. You th- Why are you well, not convinced? Well, Harvick, I think Harvick had just lost a few positions. Um, he just gotten bottled up with like Bell and Austin Dillon. And he had, he was like above, I think he was, maybe like four points above Keselowski at that moment. And then he dropped down to one point above. So I think he maybe thought, okay, I need to get some positions back. I'm not convinced he was looking in his mirror and just said, oh gosh, I don't want Chase to hit me here. I, I don't know about that. Um, maybe, maybe I'm not dismissing it, but I'm I'm not sold on it, I guess. Yeah, we don't know. It, it honestly is the one question I really want to ask Harvick more than anything. And we just, I didn't get that out. You'll never get that answer though. Yeah. He would never, never say, oh yeah, Chase, Chase intimidated oh, yeah. me into screwing up. No, I he know. would never yeah, say I that. I would love to give him some truth syrup and find out because it, I mean, to me, it's perfectly reasonable of you're racing for position. Every spot matters in that instance. On the radio, they are telling you what's going on. Um, you know you've got the nine behind you. You know the history there. And don't take into account, that turn one is, is tricky. I mean, we've seen guys numerous times. Elliot, among them, have overdriven that corner. And today, Harvick, I think, was the only guy who really did, surprisingly. But that corner is tricky. So, to me, it's perfectly reasonable to think that there was just so much going on that you, you momentarily lose sight of it and you quickly lock up the brakes, you slide. I like Again, though, I would love to know the answer. I mean, just 
I would love to know the real answer because I, I, to me, it's it's very realistic. Well, I think Harvick actually ends up depriving NASCAR of what would have been a really great storyline oh. going into this next round. If, if because if let's say he had because uh, Elliot was it looked like he was going to make it. Yep. Um, let's say he Harvick had continued on. Kozlowski gets eliminated instead, um, or Truex, as it turned out, thanks to Joey Hand, would have potentially dropped below the line. Um, so let's say either Truex or, or Kozlowski gone, but Harvick and Elliott both make it, let's say. And then this conversation really continues. Harvick has got to come to the pre-race bullpen. He's got to ask these questions again. Elliott's got to get asked these questions again. Harvick, in all likelihood, media-wise, is probably done for the season. Um, he will not... You know, he's not going to be compelled to speak, I would think, for the rest of the year. Maybe at Phoenix if they do some full field bullpen post-qualifying like they used to. But right now we're down, media-wise, we're, we're down to only playoff drivers uh, having to do their obligations. He's not one. So th- this storyline will quickly go away. And again, as you alluded to, the, the motivation to continue this for both parties, I believe, is done now, right? Harvick from his view, you would think he feels like, okay, he carried out his message. He sent one, you know, back to, to chase in retaliation for Bristol. Unless you're just a complete, I mean, what, what motivation would you have to continue it? If you're Harvick, like you, I, I, you feel like there is, I will give you one. The, 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 the perspective from Harvick could have is, did I really pay chase back though? I made his life miserable and I made his race hell. But at the end of the day, he still moved on. I didn't really cost him anything. Yeah, but right? Elliot didn't cost Harvick from moving on. I'm not he cost him I'm a not, first place finish okay. and he finished second instead by going slow in front of him. He didn't even make I'm contact with him. I mean, you to apply logic to any of okay. this discussion All right. because okay. I'm just saying that it is reasonable or it, I don't know if it's reasonable, but it is a perspective of, hey, did I really get him back though? Did I really put him through what I felt like he put me through? Did I cost him a win? Did I cost him an opportunity? To, did I take something away from him that means something? I don't know. I mean, that that's the only avenue. Yeah, I I, I think Harvick, uh, you know, I, people will probably laugh at this, but I was going to say, I, I think Harvick is too respectful to do that. Um, just because, you know, he saved himself that year at Talladega by, you know, wrecking Trevor Bain on purpose. And, you know, he tried to wreck Kyle Busch on purpose, or he did wreck Kyle Busch on purpose to save himself at Martinsville last year. And he obviously wrecked Elliott on purpose uh, to carry out some revenge at the Roval. But I just don't think, you know, at this point to carry it on, if he carries it on further, Elliot's going to go into next year saying Harvick won't win a race. I'll make sure Harvick never wins a race again. Like this, that feud will get so bad. And great. We need that. That's well, awesome. I'm, it wouldn't be bad for us, but I mean, I just, anyway, again, like I think if, if Harvick had still been alive, Elliot potentially had some motivation to do something else. But now that he's not, and Elliot has been blinders on about championship. He's Chase Elliott has said over and over and over again, anything that does not make our car go faster, I do not pay attention to in the playoffs. Like he just is really good about trying to just focus on that kind of stuff. I think his mic drop line on NBC um, about I just want to wish them uh, a happy off season and a, or a merry off season and a happy Christmas. Um, <laughs> that was a great line. It was, I mean, that's, that's a stone cold t-shirt worthy line right there so said with a completely Harvick, though, straight face. Yeah. You, you're Harvick though. You see that line and you're like, wait a second. 
He's rubbing it in a little bit. No, because that's hard. That's hard. Harvick is the kind of that, that comes up with those lines. I mean, usually, like he would say that with a maybe, little happy smile on his face. You know, maybe this is the line that brings them together. Then, like Harvick will like reach out to him, like, "Hey, that was pretty funny on NBC." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. That. But no. So I, I think it's that's over. Um. And Elliot moves on, and we probably won't hear anything about this again until maybe Nashville week. Uh, if there's any sort of like. I don't know, events where they're on stage together. And you know how they put them on the hot seat sometimes? Like they're sitting next to each other. Oh, let's ask them about this while they're drinking or something. But for, as far as like championship stuff, final four races of the year, uh, I I think it's done. Well, we'll see. I think it's going to come up again at Martinsville just because it's the natural site of if, you know, the, if this feud or if you want to call it that, Last couple of weeks, we all kind of knew once nothing was going to happen at Las Vegas. Nothing was going to happen at Talladega. Coming in here, if this was going to be rekindled, something it was going to be at the Roval, and it's the same way going forward. It's not going to happen at Texas. It won't happen at Kansas. If this happens again, it's going to be at Martinsville. I think it will be a discussion point. So it's not going to happen in Martinsville. You know why? Why is that, Jeff? Because Chase Elliott will already be locked into the Final Four, um, thanks to a win at either uh, Texas or Kansas. Sure. Coming up, uh, it's Hendrick Motorsports tracks that are right in their wheelhouse, 550 tracks the next two weeks. There are two Hendrick Motorsports drivers left. I can see a Larson win and an Elliott win in these next couple weeks, and I don't think they'll have to worry about racing their way in at Martinsville, and it just won't matter. So, um, you know, I and I think that's going back to, before we talk about predictions more, I think that's what really hurts uh, if you're like a William Byron type today. Mm-hmm. because this had William Byron made it had he advanced. I think he would have had a real legitimate shot to make the mm-hmm. final four based on the next two tracks. Um, and I also think he, he really had a chance today. If, if not for Tyler Reddick um, bumping him in the backstretch chicane there, Byron could have legitimately won this race. Now I know things could have shaken out differently, but I mean, what do you think there? I, he had a fastest car, one of the fastest cars, if not the fastest car today. It looked really, really good. That incident there, it looked like the five got into the eight, then the eight got into the 24. So I don't know if I, I don't know. I, I put it more on Reddick. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a racing, racing incident. It wasn't intentional. Well, Reddick apologized. So yeah. Did they have a conf- confrontation on pit road? Um, they did not show it on TV, but when they talked to Byron about it on the post race show, he said, oh, we've already talked. And, you know, he said it was a mistake. But, you know, if the situations were reversed and I was not in the playoffs and he was, I would have more awareness than that. So it was a lack of awareness. So they, I think they talked. And Reddick was very contrite in his post-race interview on TV and, you know, apologetic and stuff. But I'm sure it doesn't make Byron feel any better because Byron had to restart 11th, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he drives all the way up to third eventually. Um, but if he had been in the top three, um, I, I really, th- I mean, maybe he doesn't beat Larson. Larson was pretty fast. Right. But, um, but does Larson racing as hard though, that, as, you know, that's the other question. Yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about that when, when Byron was starting to come up through the field, like, Oh, if he gets to Larson, is there going to be some sort of teammate kind of stuff here? I don't think so. And here's why, because Larson just had the experience in this same race of, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, my bonus points weren't enough. Like he was driving around during this race for a decent portion of it before he came back thinking my alternator went bad. 
I'm going to go out. He said in the, in the post-race press conference, I'm, this is it. Like, I can't, this is so sad. This is so depressing. My whole season's going to end like this. So I think if you're Larson, you think, ah, sorry, but I need those five more points. This next round's going to be crazy. I've just, I just witnessed how that's not enough. There's no points cushion. That's enough. Even in the second round, which would have been unbelievable had he missed. But fortunately for him, that wasn't the case. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think that he would have just been like, Oh, William, you can get, you no, can pass I me. I don't think he was going to like pull over for him by any means. I, I don't think you're going to do that. Cause then you're, that's a different level of manipulation. I just wonder though, if he would have subconsciously just kind of not said, okay, I'm not going to race him as hard for this spot because I need to be mindful of his, you know, his position. Yeah. I, I just think I, as we've seen with, with Harvick last year, those bonus points weren't enough. And he was the, he was the driver matters. of the year. Um, and it really, I mean, I messaged you today. I was like, man, if Larson misses this, I am teed up and ready to go for my rant. Cause I was ready to just tank the, like blow up the playoff system. Like this is just <laughs> ridiculous. No, I'm serious because you know, you look at this and you're just like, man, if you don't have like the undisputed, like it's okay. It's one thing if they don't make the final four, right. You could still maybe salvage some credibility for the, for the playoff system and say, well, they don't know, you know, the top teams don't always make the championship, blah, blah. But you know, it's already a stretch for racing to have playoffs. And if you had the, the driver of the year, uh, who had six wins before today, seven now go out, um, in round two and not even make the top eight. It's, it's like, what are we doing here? What are we watching? This but is, it's so hard to take this. Him, it's, be no, because you look at the you look at the position NASCAR puts him, and you go, okay, everybody, you got to go to like Talladega and just roll the dice on avoiding a wreck and the rain and all this stuff, and then you got to go on this Frankenstein of a road course through the parking lot of Charlotte Motor Speedway, which I'm not exaggerating. That's part of the course is literally where we used to be on the media parking lot, and be like, yeah, try to survive that, and we'll this will determine our champion. Like it's it's just like oh come on. this is just too much this is a bridge too far it's okay. just, you can't hey, take this seriously let's anymore up. let's back up let's back up if I don't fundamentally disagree with you about what you're saying this is a tough round and it can be unfair and it can be unwieldy and this playoff format can be unfair and unwieldy at times that said go back to Las Vegas Kyle Larson had arguably he did he he had two this one of the three fastest race cars in that race probably the fastest race car should have been in contention to win that race. Why weren't they? They miscalculated a what Cliff Daniels said, and I'm paraphrasing here, boneheaded mistake. They just completely screwed it up, and they never recovered. That's well, on he, them. Okay, they he finished tenth in that race. He finished tenth at Las Vegas. They did That's screw fine. up the strategy. But, uh, but, so you're gonna you're gonna take again, the car of the year out of the playoffs because he finished tenth in the race and he got thirty no. seventh uh, at Talladega. Like, come on, this is like no. Oh, again, gee, come on, stop guys. making mistakes. You, you don't finish tenth, but even those are valuable points. You finish second; those are nine points. You win that race. You don't have to worry about the other two. How can and you then, look yourself? Are you if you had a mirror right now? How could you look yourself in the mirror and say this at with what a straight point face? Do you hold people accountable though for their performance. Look at today. Look at today. You, so they make a mistake at Las Vegas. They don't recover on a track that's hard to pass, where track position is everything, and a pit strategy that they even admitted was bad and they shouldn't have done. They cost themselves valuable points there. You go to Talladega, whatever. It is what it is. We can debate about the merits of it. Whatever. You come here today. They didn't get caught into an accident. They didn't get caught in. They didn't get spun out by somebody. 
they had a mechanical failure that again comes back to them. That's a self-inflicted thing. So two races in this three round, this three race round, they messed up. Ultimately, if I mean that's on them. There has to be some accountability for that. I, I you know, I think my solution would be that the regular season bonus points need to matter even more because at some point you're going to have a legitimate like championship favorite who, which Kyle Larson was going into these playoffs. Like he's the favorite, he's the guy to beat. Right. And if you have them go out in one of the first two rounds, I think Harvick last year even was, you know, like, ah, that's not good. I mean, it doesn't say a lot for the credibility of the format again, but you're going to have to like increase the amount of bonus points or something that these guys can get because you just can't, we're talking about legacies and hall of fame. Like, Oh, you win a championship. You're in the hall of fame. We're talking about careers and to just have your, your championship mean so little. It's like, Oh, well, you know, we put the Roval and the Talladega in this round and then he got a top 10 at Vegas. And that just, that's just not good enough. And oh, he took himself out. Oh, well, it'll still be really exciting. And we'll have so-and-so win the championship. And you know, that'll be, well, we'll all get behind that as like the legitimate champion of the sport. You already I do just, that anyway, though. It's already. I mean, it's, we've had this. We've had this conversation on this very podcast, and, and I believe you've written it that the championship nowadays are frankly devalued, and that what matters more, I think, ultimately, when we look back on this, is going to be final four appearances and regular season championships than actual championships themselves, because it's a one race scenario. Are you okay with that, though? I this system. I don't have a problem with it. It's is it unfair? Yeah. I mean, is it entertaining though? Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I said, I look at this round. I, I look at Las Vegas. They left a, the the five team left a lot of points on the table. They left a potential win on the table, and they admit that. Talladega, they did a good job of, of salvaging what could have been a really bad day, and then today. They had a mechanical issue, which to their credit, they overcame. And I don't think they get enough, you know, Cliff Daniels doesn't get enough credit for that. And and again, if they would have fallen short, it would have been their own doing. There was nothing about this, this track. And again, you can debate the merits of the Roval and what it is, but there was nothing about this track today that cost Kyle Larson. It was their own self-doing and he was able to overcome that. So at the end, if he would have been eliminated in this round, yeah, you could have looked at him and like, damn. Wow. But I also say it also points to the fact that you can't take anything for granted. And if you're good during the, if you are a championship level contender, which he is, you can't rest on your laurels and you've got to bring it. And I look at Kevin, Kevin Harvick last year in the same way. And the fact that after they won Bristol in round one, they weren't very good the rest of the way. They, t- they even said that. I mean, granted, they, you know, you can argue about the package and everything and they finished second at Kansas. Maybe, you know, he could have won that race and, what happened at Texas with the rain and everything, sure, but their performance at Martinsville was awful. And if you want to win a championship, you can't run like that. When what was their magic number? 16th? I mean, it was just it was some ridiculous number. They just had to go there and be average and they couldn't do it. I just I'm sorry. I, my my sympathy goes out the window for that. I just think my my acceptance of the playoff format, which it started to grow. Um, was like, okay, you know, it is kind of crazy. And the one race deal is like unfair. And you're not really necessarily, if you make the, I think the reason we talked about the final four a couple years ago is because like, okay, if you make the final four, anything can happen in one race. So maybe you get like a champion like Kyle Busch a couple years ago where you're like, oh, he's really wasn't the driver of the year, but he won the title. And if you made the final four, 
you know, the big three or whatever, like you're that's, that's good enough. But then, you know, if you, because the cream was ultimately rising to the top, whatever you threw at them, the best guys would somehow kind of figure it out or whatever. Right. But if you're, if you're going to start to have the format where the ex, sort of widely accepted fastest cars of the season are not represented in the final round or even the final two rounds, then you're like, Oh, okay, what's going on here? And that's what, that's where I think that I, I start to have a problem with it. The last, uh, you know, the last part of last season. And, and that's because it's just, I, if I'm going to embrace it and be like, love the playoffs, love the playoffs. Awesome. I still kind of want to be like, all right, well, the, you know, at least the, the four fastest cars or four of the fastest cars are there. And, you know, again, if Larson had been eliminated today and you go the next four races and you're like, yeah, he's, you know, he's winning a couple more times. You're like, this is just, I don't know. It's it, been like, it, but it's been like this really, I don't know. I mean, you probably can go back to when this playoff was instituted in 2014 or 2004, but just going back to 2014, Brad Keselowski in 2014, 2015 had championship caliber cars that he didn't make it to the final four. Joey Logano in 2015 should have been in the final four and frankly should have probably won the championship because they were the best team and they had the best speed. And what happened? Kenseth took him out. Martin Truex Jr. 2016 dominating regular season ends up going out in round two because of a blown engine at Talladega. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But that's, that's why they instituted playoff points. though, to try to sort of remedy that and, and make sure that that didn't happen, that, that you would have sort of like a better representation of the season and then say, all right, you guys made it here. You made it to the final four and now let's just go settle it in one race. And that's why the drivers, again, we're saying it at that Homestead Media Day a couple years ago. Yeah, you know, I do think now that just making it here is sort of the sign of a successful season and whatever happens from here, we'll just kind of live with it. But at least we made the final four. And I think that's what changed with Harvick last year. And that's what was sort of a, a threat to happen today and it could still happen um, in this next round coming up. I, as, as someone who makes their career, you know, sort of writing about this and talking about this, I, I don't want it to be a joke or just like, oh, sort of fluky thing. I want it to be like, hey, what we're watching is competitiveness and, you know, talent. And, and that's what's rising to the top here. And that that's why I was ready to just be like, oh, man, this is just not a good not a good situation. But um, let's talk about the Roval itself and how that plays into it, because I was kind of at times um, hate watching it a little bit like man, this just shouldn't be like, why are you? Because here's, here's what kind of irritates me. Right. Um, I think what I've come to realize is like with the curbs in the Xfinity race, when you put these elite drivers, these drivers should be billed as like the best, uh, stock car racers in the world. You know, they've worked their whole career to get here. And when you put them in a situation that makes them look like clowns or makes a series look like clowns, um, man, I hate that. I just really hate that. Like I'm off the drama. Okay. Excitement. Okay. But when you make it like sort of a joke, like how the dirt race turned into at times or the rain or darkness or, and you're just like, man, you know, like the CODA situation I was talking about the rain, like, you know, or, or you're just like, man, why, why they shouldn't be in this position. They shouldn't be made to look like, like goofs, like a circus type of thing. Um, and you know, I want these guys to be, put in a position to perform and have like an elite moment of a championship moment, like these great 
highlight type packages, not like, ha ha, this happened. And then this silly thing happened. And then it makes like, you know, the national news for like, Oh, check out this wacky NASCAR. Oh boy. You know, like, um, and that's like with the curbing again, like that's what bothered me about that. So I was kind of ready to like, um, I was, I was going into the Roval race today, a little skeptical about it, but you know, like I said, it, it turned out well. I mean, it's hard to argue with the entertainment value of it. Um, the racing, I mean, I don't know. I, it's, Why do you use I, air quotes, I'm still though, torn when you on say it. racing. Say what? You used air quotes when you said racing. Because I mean, if you, if you're really talking this about racing. racing, this was racing. You saw Kyle Larson today. You talk about guys being put in a moment and, and having to, to thrive and, and show their championship form. Kyle Larson, the five team did that today. They got hit. They got punched in the stomach with a mechanical failure that could have wrecked their year. Instead, they, they calmly addressed the problem, fixed it. And even they, at one point, they were, what, 10 points below the cut line? And they rallied back, methodically picked their way through the field and put themselves in a position to win this race. They executed how a team should execute, how a championship team executed. What was wrong with that? No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, it's hard to argue with that. It's just that like the course itself. Um, and I don't disagree about the curbing, the curbing. You're right. Like, and I think Kyle Bush, Kyle Bush said this in the pre-race media session today was, you know, a month or so ago at Indianapolis, there was an issue with the curbing. Why after that race, when you go to the, you come here, why are you doing the same thing with the curbing? Why, why is there no, there, there was some kind of disconnect between that. Now, to NASCAR's credit, thankfully, they realized that and they took it out. But to your point, and I don't disagree with that, it's like this, that should have been a thing. Like there had to be somebody in the room that says, wait a second, why are we having this curbing again that just caused us a fiasco in Indianapolis? Yeah, it's not just that. It's just like, I mean, you look at the narrowness of the course, um, you know, at times with walls on both sides. And you're just like, this is, you know, you want to have a road course. And you want to have a road course race in the playoffs, I guess. But the reason that this is so hyped is because you know that it's going to be chaos. You know, and I guess that's what people loved about it today. And and it's hard. Like, again, the entertainment value. Kevin Harvick, one of the a future Hall of Famer and an all-time, you know, great driver, um, drove himself into the wall today. You know, like, and, and in fact, um, two years ago, Chase Elliott drove himself into the wall and ended up winning the race. Three years ago, Brad Keselowski led the entire field into the wall. Like, ha ha, these guys make mistakes. So funny. You know what I mean? Like, wow, that's crazy. And again, that can be entertaining at times, but um, I don't know. Is it the truest test of like elite skill and talent and all that stuff? I, I, I don't know. It's, and so I'm, I'm not, I'm just caught between the two, I guess. Had I, you know, again, for newer fans out there, if, if this is all you've known or something, um, you started watching NASCAR after these formats, were introduced and you're like, what's who cares? Like, what's the big deal? But, um, you know, for someone who is, I mean, and look, I didn't even come, I wasn't even around for Winston cup stuff. My first year was Oh four, which was the beginning of the chase era. But even, even me, I'm saying like, wow, this is just seems like, seems like a lot of, uh, of craziness to throw at people. But again, I guess that's what, I mean, I, I, you'd be hard pressed to argue that anybody that watched this race today wouldn't be thoroughly entertained and be like, that was amazing. That was so fun to watch. Like I, they're probably standing up on their chair, um, yelling at times or, you know, with the Harvick Elliott stuff or whatever. So, um, yeah. Hey, what did you think of, uh, uh, 
NASCAR not black flagging Elliott with the back. Uh, I thought though. that was that's not good. That that was I don't want to say ridiculous because that's the only word that comes to mind right now. But that can't happen. And there was a, there was countless tweets and going back over the years of of instance where guys who had rear bumper covers coming off. You can't have that. You can't have the perception that you're favoring your most popular driver, your defending champion. You can't do it. And I, I hate to say that if it would have been anybody else, they would have been black flagged. But it's hard not to think that because that is the definition of something that NASCAR black flags. If they have literally have debris hanging on by a thread and it's going to fall off on the track and you know it's big enough, as soon as it does, it's going to be a caution. That, that, that is a that is the very definition of a black flag. I, it, you can't have that in that situation. I mean, to me, if that's a Rick Ware car driving around with a bumper hanging off, if it's a non-playoff probably, car, yeah, non-playoff car. There's probably a hundred percent chance, not even ninety-nine. Like, there's it's guaranteed that is a caution because NASCAR is going to say, well, we don't want this to come off and cause a debris caution that is going to mess with the play. Now, I had people saying on Twitter. Wait a minute, a bumper cover is not required at road courses and short tracks. It doesn't matter because the principle of it is that's going to cause a caution. Absolutely. And that did, that changed the which flow favored, of the race. Which favored the guy who threw the, had the debris on the track, which, is, yes. makes it even, which makes it even more ridiculous. He needed that. Yes. Because otherwise, right. yeah, he would have been, you know, so. It's not much different than had he spun himself out to cause a caution, if you think about it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, that it, it was it was great timing for them to have it, and and of course you want it to be on the track if you're them, and not you know because if it sails out of the groove or onto the grass, you can if you're NASCAR, you'll be like, okay, I guess that's all right. But they shouldn't have let it get to that point anyway. Um, so yeah, it's that that definitely bothered me because as you said, there was many examples cited in previous races. I think Jeffrey Miller um, pulled up at least three tweets where he was like of other people saying, okay, this guy's being black flagged for a bumper cover flapping in the wind uh, again. And, and I'll tell you another one today that I think was a little bit questionable. Um, the moment that William Byron uh, did have to do his, his stop and go penalty uh, for missing the backstretch chicane, he did not come to a full stop. Mm. And I, I believe that Sage Karam was penalized for something similar on the last lap of the Xfinity race that dropped him from like 14th to 27th or yeah. something. They gave him a 30 second penalty on the last lap. I, and, but they, uh, they said Byron was all good. Um, which at the time it looked like he had taken himself out anyway. So it didn't matter, you know, like, Oh, his chance of winning are over. But then he came back and he almost had a chance to win. Had he won, I think that would have been a bigger question as well. Um, so yeah, there was a couple of officiating things today that I didn't, I was just like, man, that's the the, the, yeah. the bumper cover one, though. That wasn't. It's bad. I want consistency for my officiating. We've had this conversation, but I want, I I want what is a black flag in one race to be a black flag in another race. And I don't care if that driver's in the playoffs. I don't care if he's the defending champ. I don't care. And that instance, when it is a pretty egregious black flag, uh, to not do that, that raises the red flag, and it's just that's it's inexcusable. Jordan, let's do sort of a quick post-mortem on uh, some of the seasons for uh, guys who are gone now. Um, you know, first let's start with Byron and Bowman. Obviously, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk, not necessarily from us, but people, you know, there was a question at one point this year, like could all four Hendrick drivers um, make the final four? Two of or them three. don't even make the, what's that? I think someone in this podcast had three. Absolutely, yeah. I had Byron in my final four, so... 
Um, and I, I really thought that, you know, I, I didn't see him going out this round. And again, I thought that if you make it to the round of eight and there's two 550 tracks there, that you would have good enough finishes, even if you, without a win, that they would be able that he would be able to get through. That was my justification. No, I, I don't make any excuses. He's gone. He didn't he didn't get it done. Unfortunately, not all his fault, not all his team's fault. Some bad luck in there, but um, didn't happen. Uh, how do you view their seasons now? Uh, a little bit differently. Uh, one, Alex Bowman to me under the the issue of lack of consistency out of the eight eighty eight team is alarming. We had this conversation. Team, yeah. You know, I do this, you know, we're only in how many races this year and I still screwed up. <laughs> I knew, just, I knew what you meant. Yeah. They're, they're forever going to be the 88 team. It's just, it's, there's no way around it. Um, I'm terrible with names. Apparently I'm terrible with numbers too. Uh, <laughs> um, but the lack of consistency that we've seen from this team really since Bowman took over for Earnhardt um, is it's, it's startling to me. They, they go through stretches where they look really, really good and they're contenders and they're running up front and you're thinking, wow, these guys have really taken that next step. And then they just – I have other moments throughout the year, these runs, where they just kind of fall off. And that was, again, the instance this year. They win three races, but they really, other than those races, they were just – they were always the fourth Hendrick car. Larson was Larson. Elliott was in the mix more often than not and, frankly, probably should have won more races this year than he did, and I'll own that one. Um, Byron was co- very competitive at times, and especially the first-year crew chief. So I just was, again, the wins are great, but this is not, this, there's something fundamentally wrong with this team. And Bowman was asked this today, what, why the inconsistency? And he's like, I don't know. And that needs to be fixed because that can't continue. I don't know. It's great that you can win races and you can pop off wins here and there. That can help you in the playoffs. But to really get yourself in that next tier, to be recognized as a perennial contender, you've got to have more consistency. They don't. Um, Byron, Boy, I don't know. I, I look at it two ways. One, I was really, really impressed by him this year at times. He looked really good, led a bunch of laps, was in the mix a lot, had some consistency. That team looked really, really good. End of the day, though, too, I feel like they should have more than one win. And that win was at Homestead much feels like forever ago. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of that. I, end of the day, and it feels like, honestly, going out in the round 12 is disappointing. This I, I echo your point. The next round sets up so well for them. I thought their their path to getting to Phoenix was really clear cut. So encouraged by what I saw this year, I thought we continued to see William Byron kind of take that next step and really do things, but just looking for a little bit more. And I think we're going to get there eventually, but it wasn't this year. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because um, for both these guys you're talking about, it seemed like they were on the cusp of something big, right? And mm-hmm especially Bowman getting those three wins. You're like, man, this could, you know, maybe they could really make a deep run here. And then, like you said, the consistently, you know, just throughout the summer, they just weren't there. Byron, like you say, I mean, he has, he's those, those flashes of like, yeah. whoa, it's, it's, it feels like they're about to break out. But if there was any year to do it, this was it with Hendrick sort of being the dominant team of the season. And now you're going to go to a next gen car, which is going to be somewhat of a reset. We don't know what that's going to mm-hmm. favor. And I think this was really the year for both of these guys to capitalize on the speed that they had. And it's just a massive missed opportunity for both. It has to really sting and hurt, especially Byron, you know, Bowman, I think you could look at it and be like, I don't, you know, we're already doing all we can here. I don't know why we're, we're not getting the finishes, but yeah, we're sort of the fourth car. 
um, that's too bad. I mean, you would have taken the season if you told him before the season, Hey, you're going to sure. get three wins for a guy that only had two career victories before this year. You'd say, Hey, that's great. But yeah, it still feels like a disappointment The Byron though. Like, man, it just, just seemed like, like you said, they should have more than one win. Um, it's a shame for them to not be able to capitalize on this. Um, you know, Christopher Bell, um, we never really sort of viewed him as that much of a threat, but it just seemed like, well, at the same time, like if they could put some things together, I mean, even going into this road course race today, I thought he's, he's great at Roval type races. Yeah. He won the Daytona one earlier this year. And it seemed like there was going to be some really high hopes. Um, but it just, I don't know that. I mean, they're clearly sort of like the fourth Gibbs car. It feels like. Yeah. I thought it was a good first year for Christopher Bell and Joe Gibbs racing in that program. They won a race. They had some success. They had some good runs. This was a year, you know, they got out of the first round of the playoff. This is a year to build off of. I would say overall, I was pleased with what I saw. The one issue, and I think this is really kind of speaks to a, a young driver is there's too many mistakes and they have to clean that up. There's too many times where Christopher Bell had really good race cars, Darlington, the Southern 500. Bristol in the round one cutoff race where he's running really well and hits the wall or makes a mistake and burns the tires off of his car or has an issue on pit road today. For example, speeding on pit road. I echo your point. I thought this was a race he could win and punch his ticket to the next round. Really good on the road courses, but first pit stops got a speeding penalty and that just sets you back and you're playing catch up. Disappoint. I, I just encouraging first season, but again, young driver got to clean up those mistakes. And then Kevin Harvick, obviously, um, I mean, if you're going to take a shot at me for uh, saying Byron make the final four, you were on the Harvick bandwagon and I saying, was. hey, look, this guy, you know, and, and I was with you to a degree of like, yes, they don't have the speed this year. Obviously, it was a down year for Stuart Haas Racing altogether. Um, still a winless season for him with four sure. races to go. Very, very, very shocking for a person that had um, nine wins last year. But at the same time, it's like maybe they can, you know, they should be able to find their way into the round of eight. And you never know because, you know, they have such veteran uh, leadership and stuff. And and they actually were in position. Were in I mean, position. They, he came into the Roval below the cut line. And yet there they were. He was running above the cut line when he made his mistake today and wrecked himself out of the playoffs. And it's just sort of uh, that that to me is like one of the most unbelievable moments of the season. Um, take everything aside. If you just isolate that, that. Kevin Harvick was in position to advance late in the race in, in, in the, at the Roval, despite not having the speed this year. And he took himself out of the playoffs. Un, unreal. The closer flinched. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, he cost himself and I thought he was going to go in the round of eight. It looked like he was. And at the end of the day, they don't have a win. Stuart House racing only has one win as an organization this year. Um, Harvick, it's been a long dry spell. Um, I kind of wonder about, I mean, this is an unfair discussion, but he's 45 years old and you start to wonder, like, are you going to, is he going to have another opportunity to come close to winning a championship again? Uh, that's probably unfair to say, but when you go into a year and you're not winning races and, you know, you've taken a step back, um, I think it's fair to ask if it's an age thing. Well, he's going to be 46 in December too. So, um, tick that up a notch. But I think, I also think the next gen car, I mean, we'll talk about this on our off season podcast too. I mean, we just don't know what that's going to do. Sure. And you know, if you're saying, okay, well the next gen is really going to come down to like engineering type thing. Like who's going to be able to figure out the setup all year. SHR just could not figure out how to get themselves out of this 
slump or this lack of speed that they had. They just yeah, balance. The balance killed them this year. That was the thing that, that they just could never get their cars to handle right and set up properly to start a race. So it's like, do you trust SHR? Like, do you trust that they're going to rebound suddenly with a brand new car? Um, maybe. I mean, I mean, they're Rodney Childers. I mean, I think is brilliant. Um, and they've got a lot of smart people over there, but at the same time, like they couldn't get it done this year. Pretty surprising. So it's, it's hard to really know what's going to happen there. Um, Jordan on the reverse side of this, we're talking about the failures and you look at the final eight. If you had told me the start of these playoffs, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Team Penske is going to have more cars in the final eight than Hendrick Motorsports. I would, no, no. You know, you talk, talk about me, uh, making fun of you or laughing at you at times or whatever for, for your opinions. No, you I would do. have like laughed you off the podcast if you had said that, but it's true. Back, it happened. It, yeah. No, I go back to Talladega. I mean, I, when they left Talladega, they, they were, I mean, Bubba Wallace won that race, but the big winners in that race were team Penske because all three drivers left there in much better shape than they were. And that really Blaney and Logano had quiet, uneventful days. There. They did exactly today what they needed to do, which was get stage points, stay out of trouble and just finish. And Brad Keselowski, what a day he had. I mean, he's fun, what, what, at least twice. Was it once today? Twice. Twice. He's fun twice. twice. Twice today. And he's just, and he's been really, they haven't made many mistakes. And today was just, he was kind of victim. But that second place finish at Talladega was everything. And now they're moving on. And I will say this, the, the speed out of Penske cars has been better on the mile and a half racetracks as of late. Is one of those guys ready to, to punch their ticket to the final four. Well, again, we go back to what Keselowski said, um, at, at Daytona in the last regular season race, he said, you know, he, he had said there's probably gonna be three Hendrick cars and one car might get there. And that could be the upset car of, of who's better on 750 tracks. Um, so we'll see, you know, I, I, I go back to, uh, something that we didn't really touch on last week at Talladega, but is sort of played into this. The way that Talladega ended, um, you know, those guys got stage two points mm-hmm. um, for not finishing stage two. They just said, okay, this is the end of the race. Um, so you get end of the race points and you get stage two points. Um, somebody had brought up to us, you know, maybe that shouldn't be, you know, they didn't finish stage two. So why even award the stage points? But you sort of got like these bonus points for the finish last week. And uh, the Penske guys were um, recipients of that. Now they, they made it. They made it by more than that, right? So you can't just say that's the only reason, but it didn't hurt. Um, it didn't hurt, you know, their strategy today. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's really interesting, but they've had a very quiet sort of playoffs, uh, but they're right there. And you really, I mean, this round, anything can happen, especially with Martinsville there. And they're um, good at Martinsville. Yes, All three of those yes. guys are really good at Martinsville and are capable of going there and winning. So They've I, got I, a shot. I mean, you can't. They do. Yeah, I mean. We could be talking about a Blaney title. I mean, a Logano title. It, it, it's far-fetched in some ways, but again, Chase Elliott showed last year, you win Martinsville and Phoenix, that's it. Um, you just got to get there. So this is the round. They're there. They've got an opportunity. Um, one thing I want to get your opinion on, uh, Martin Truex Jr. ends up being in a, he was in a difficult position for a moment there because yeah. as the laps are winding down, Joey Hand, who is a sports car uh, ace, I guess you could say. And he was driving for Rick Ware racing today because, um, I guess they're trying to get him to test, um, at the Roval for this next gen test. 
And it was like a Stuart Haas car. There's some now Stuart Haas alliance with Rick Ware Racing. Anyway, he'd had zero NASCAR National Series starts. He was allowed to start this race. He got approved. And he was running in the 52 car. And he spun Martin Truex Jr. out uh, in the backstretch chicane. And at that moment, we weren't sure if William Byron was going to win this race. Um, It caused Martin Truex Jr. to drop below to the cut line to where if had Byron won, Truex would have been eliminated from the race. Um, is that something that NASCAR needs to look at? Like you cannot make your cup series debut during the playoffs or something like that. Like final 10 races block those off. Like, sorry, you, yeah. this is not a time to, uh, have your first career NASCAR race. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, I feel like we've had this discussion before. There's been another instance of this or, you know, and I don't like to see guys who, are learning the nuances of NASCAR, make their debuts in races where there's championship implications. Um, if you race in the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series, that's one thing. But to come in cold turkey and never done this before, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I take exception to that. And I, I don't like to see it. I think there's a better way to do this. And I, I just think there, it goes back to the conversation we've had before about NASCAR's approval process. There just seems to be this kind of loose way of going about it of interpretation about it and sometimes it it like the jennifer joe cobb thing nascar was right about in retrospect about not allowing her to race at talladega earlier this year and now allowing joey hand and again joey hand is a great driver i mean he's won I mean, he finished of- 27th on the lead lap today so it's not like i'm you know no, but, no, he's but you can't sport- take out a playoff driver no, in your cup great, series debut no, he's a great sports car driver i mean he's, there's no difference with it but racing a stock car is so much different than a sports car it's just braking when to brake how to turn it's just like Learning that out, learning that out, especially with no practice, that's the big thing. Like if there have been some practice sessions, maybe, but just to come in and it's cold turkey, hey, go at it. That no, I I see with no Xfinity, yes. no to like Nothing. never make a national series start. Oh yeah, cup series race, elimination race. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Uh I don't know about that. That's yep. and, and and again, had he had a quiet day, maybe we're saying something different. Um, but to to take out I mean, had Byron won the race, uh, which seemed possible for a moment there, and Truex been eliminated because of that, because he was above, he was nine points above Keselowski when that happened, and it dropped him straight below. Um, that would have been, woo, that would have been a big controversy, big controversy. Yeah. Had, I think Truex would have had a right to be angry. Jordan, uh, any other things you want to talk about from the Roval weekend? Yes, there is one thing that has come across uh, since we have started this. Uh, Kyle Busch can be with his crew chief next week. Two loose lug nuts on the number 18 car in post-race inspection. So he will be without his crew chief next week at Texas. Is that, does that worry you? No, I mean, we've seen this before. These teams are equipped to handle this. It's not a big deal, but, you know, you still would like to be full, you know, full song going into a playoff race like this. Yeah. Uh, also, NASCAR, um, since we started this podcast, posted the video um, a, a very Jordan Bianchi esque video right up on the, uh, Byron Reddick conversation, okay. uh, got the audio and all that stuff of their conversation. So that is on the, uh, NASCAR Twitter and, um, yeah, it, it seemed civil, but obviously, um, Reddick apologetic and Byron, uh, upset and not really buying the explanation that much, but Reddick usually says, I mean, Reddick's pretty good about saying, Hey, I screwed up when he screws up. So, sure. 
Um, yeah. Anything else? Anything else you want to talk about there from from Rovalam before we move on to? No, uh, it was F1? a lot. <laughs> today was a lot. I'm Team Chaos. You know this. I always root for chaos, and today we got chaos. I was very happy. Yeah. yeah. So Jordan, I'm uh, not sure you were uh, able to watch the Formula One race today, um, but basically what happened was uh, Valtteri Bottas won the race, and um, it was a race. But the big headline, I guess, is that. Lewis Hamilton was sort of essentially called into the pits, uh, on older tires. He was trying to make the entire race on, on no stops. Um, he did not want to come in because he thought he was doing a good job managing his tires. He was a P three at the time. And, um, he thought he would able be able to make it to the end. They said, you should come in. He said, no, I think we're doing good. Two laps later, his team essentially sort of tricked him into coming into the pits. It's because they said, Hey, you know, we've, we've looked at it and you're not gonna be able to make this gap or whatever. So he says, okay, he comes out and he realizes, Hey, I'm P five. And, uh, the way that the, the Turkish grand prix was the conditions there, uh, he wasn't able to make up those positions. The tires didn't help him that much. And so he ended up finishing there, um, lost. I mean, so maybe he would have gotten past as P four, like maybe he wouldn't have been able to hold on to the podium and finish there, but that's a point. Right. And, and in this championship race with Max Verstappen, uh, this battle, um, any, it could be, that could be the difference in the season. So it was really interesting. I, I saw people on Twitter, um, blasting Lewis for saying, okay, you know, listen to your team the first time they know the strategy, listen to them. If they say to come in to come in. Um, but, and I also saw people saying, why wouldn't Mercedes, you know, just sort of trust their guy and, uh, just leave him, you know, he wants to do this strategy. He said after the race, I wish I'd stayed out. He was pissed. He was pissed. And, and, Total Wolf seemed to indicate, well, he just hasn't seen the data that we've seen. But for me, I, I'm, I sort of tend to favor like, hey, put the put the ball in your guy's hand. It's your legendary driver, uh, your world champion driver, and let him do what he wants to do with this championship race instead of force him to come in. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I know you haven't seen it, but any weighing in on that? Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, if it, a situation like that, you have to defer to your driver, especially when he's Lewis Hamilton's, Hamilton's caliber. And we've seen this out of Mercedes before this year, where they a lot of second guessing, a lot of indecision, a lot of cost. You know, are we going to pit or we're not going to pit, and just going back and forth, and then ultimately making the wrong call. They've cost themselves quite a few points. And as you said, in a battle like this, every point matters. There's going to be a lot of hindsight 2020 looking back, saying we should have, would have, should have, could have. Yep. And now, uh, Max Verstappen has retaken the championship lead. So, uh, this was a pretty jam packed podcast here. We want to remind you that, uh, I think we're entering the final week coming up of the athletics 50% off deal. Um, and to get that, you can go to the slash the teardown. Um, man, uh, we, we were just looking at our, our podcast numbers, Jordan. And I, I think it was like, uh, all of our top 10 most listened to podcasts have come since June and like seven out of the top 10 most listened to episodes of the teardown have come since like the beginning of August, since the Olympic break. So again, uh, we don't really know why you're listening to us. We got a very lovely comment from someone last week and, um, they said, you know, we, I, I don't have a lot of racing friends and you guys are like, um, you know, listening, you know, talking with my friends after the race. So, um, you know, we, we appreciate that, that kind words. Um, of course we got to do the, was it a good race poll, Jordan? Uh, <laughs> you picked up a W last week. Um, I believe it's three to two. Now you're gaining, you're right there in the picture. Um, 
how will people view this Roval race? Do you have the numbers in front of you for past Roval races? I do. And uh, while I'm looking those up, um, I got to tell you, uh, we were both a little bit too optimistic about Talladega. People downvoted it. Um, we knew that they would, but you know, we obviously thought it was a pretty good race that was influenced by uh, the winter or the rain or other things. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really uh, right. agree with the 60 whatever percent that it was. And it's a long higher, list but... of races this year where I do not agree with the outcome. Yeah. So, okay, 2018 Roval. Okay. Um, that was 92.8%. What a wow. race that was, that inaugural Roval. Okay. Uh, the 2019, 87%. Um, by 2020, it drops to 83.6%. But Yeah, that was a pretty tame race, though. All three of the Roval races um, have been above 83%. Not bad. Um, so, yeah, where do you, because of that history, where do you think this one's going to stack up? 86%. Uh, popular winner, Kyle Larson, the, the reception when he won today was, was incredibly loud. And then the fact of everything that unfolded with Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick, Chase kind of one upping Kevin in a way and getting the final say and, and getting, you know, rallying back, making the playoffs and, you know, Harvick's crash. I think people are going to remember this race. They look back fondly, hard racing throughout. Give me 86%. Okay. I'm, I almost, and I, I, I feel bad. Well, go ahead. Go I'm sorry. You're going to go higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the only reason was because, as I said, the 2019 Roval race got 87%. That was the one where Chase Elliott went into the wall, comes back to win, and he stands on his car with the not are you not entertained pose. I think this race was like even crazier or wilder or whatever than that one because of Elliott Harvick, because of things we talked about on this podcast. So I feel like it's going to be above that. I'm not going above it just because you said 86, although I can see why you feel that way. But um, I think I am going to go 88. I'm sorry to box you in there. Um, but it may be close. It may be close. I mean, I think it was, uh, it would look like it was going to be right between us last week. Then it, it dipped right below your guess. But um, yeah, this is going to be a, a competitive, was a good race pull this week. I think it will be in the 80s. I'd be surprised if it cracked 90. You think it'd be I in the 90s? Thinking, I was kind of thinking like, do I go, how optimistic am I? And I'm like, no, I've been burned before, so. We're good. Yeah, I think people will find enough reasons to pick at this race and be like, this isn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, entertainment-wise, like I said, it's you've got to be entertained racing-wise. The merits of the purity of racing, all this stuff. We can talk about that another time. Uh, <laughs> next week, I'll be coming to you um, from Texas Motor Speedway, and uh, we'll be chatting once again about uh, round three of the playoffs. I'll be very exciting to see what happens there, see if any more shakeups happen. Um, Jordan, appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining, and thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time on The Teardown.